Here at Educas, we continue to provide a comprehensive package of support to aid you in the delivery of our geography qualifications, including expert advice and guidance from our subject specialists to support your teaching and free resources to be used in the classroom or for blended learning. We're here to support you. And welcome to JogPod. For today's podcast, I'm joined by Alan Kinder, who's Chief Executive of the Geographical Association. Uh, Alan, thanks very much for agreeing to join me on JogPod today. It's a pleasure, John. Before we talk about the Geographical Association, well, no, I'm going to start, I'm, I am going to. I'm going to. I'm going to start with when I first joined. I first joined the GA in 1976. I think you would probably be about three, maybe. And uh, GAHQ was a... Um, it was in a house in Fullwood Road. It was a steel magnet's house. And uh, I spent much of my time there in the library. It was such an exciting, innovative time, I think, for geography. Uh, Rex Walford was writing really exciting stuff. And then 30 years passed before I went back again. And now the GA had moved to Solly Street. And I was here for an interview and I still felt that same sort of presence. The, the Geographical Association has a, a, a this, that core ethos, that sense of significant place, um, and a kind of a, a spirit of shared values. I did feel all that when I came. It was very, very powerful. But it, it's a it's a unique post. Uh, I have had people who've said to me when they visited at the GA, there aren't many people who work here. Is this it? I think they're expecting something like the RGS, where it's a huge building on Kensington Gore. It, it, it's a powerful building with, with quite a small staff, and it, it's a unique position. You becoming the chief executive is, is that pinnacle of a unique position. But it's, what was the career path that, that led you eventually to that decision to apply to be chief executive? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the word, the word path for me, John, sort of, paints a picture of um, you know a well laid out route um, that was that was clear and clearly followed and I, I'm not sure that's quite how things really were for me um, I, I might think more about a sort of a looking backwards at a trail um, hopefully not a trail of destruction <laughs> uh, your various various roles I've had o- over the years so um, yes as you know I'm, I'm a former teacher of geography I spent 13 years teaching geography in schools with some um, various leadership roles alongside that. <clears throat> I did have a stint as a field studies officer, actually, um, very early on in my career as a, as a young man. And that was exhilarating, actually, uh, to do that at the time. And um, after teaching, I spent eight years uh, as a local authority geography advisor, working with around 60 schools um, across East London, and again, that was just a real privilege, I think, supporting teachers with curriculum, professional development, very hands-on, actually, sort of demonstration teaching, team teaching, co-construction of, of curricula. But, but as you know, John, and I'm sure many listeners will, will recall, this was a period during the noughties when funding was, was really disappearing from local authorities for that sort of work. But I have to say, for me, that that presented some opportunities as well, because because of the financial dimension, I I, um, ended up working on secondments to some some really exciting sort of opportunities. I was a 
uh, a tutor on, on, on the Goldsmiths PGC geography course for, for a while. And I also worked on some national assessment projects with the Qualification and Curriculum Development Authority. So, you know, there was all sorts of opportunities like that going on for me. And, and as I say, they were exciting and they were a real privilege. And, and through it all, of course, as, as you know, there was the GA and my voluntary work for the GA was the the constant in, in that quite varied career, I guess. And uh, I, I sort of reached out to the GA, I think, initially when I found myself in a school that it was, I would say, was a little parochial in its outlook. I felt a little bit cut off and so reached out to the GA and, and in a sense, never looked back and ended up uh, performing all sorts of volunteer roles for the GA. And, of course, when the opportunity came along, to be the GA's chief executive, as you've said, it's it's a, it's a unique role. It's a unique organisation, and it wasn't an opportunity that I could I could turn away. So here I am, nearly nine years later. <laughs> the, the chief executive role is is quite recent, isn't it? I, the first chief executive was appointed in in 1998, and he wasn't a geographer, so. The GA has been very dynamic in the way that it's changed over time and responded. It's not a, a stuffy old traditional organisation at all. It, it's been at the forefront of innovation and change throughout its time. Yeah, I think it's a really, that's a really good question. It's also quite a challenging one because there is this sort of balance, if you like, between continuity and change when, you, when you're involved with or you're a member of or working for an organization that's formed in the 1890s so you're right um you know the, the the role of chief executive was was created in the 1990s that the fairly late 1990s actually and um that was part of a, a trend right across civil society i would say where lots and lots of organizations were uh, people often use the word professionalizing that's not to denigrate the, the quality of work that went on before, what, what it speaks to is the fact that things in society were becoming accelerated, more intense, people's workloads were intensifying in, in their day jobs. And, and so many charities and other organisations, you know, took that opportunity, I suppose, to, to, to beef up what they were able to do through their staff. So hence the post of, of chief exec to reflect that complexity, really. Um, there, for, for people who are real aficionados of this stuff, there is a chronology of the GA on, on, it, on its website. But, but going back to your key question, really, around sort of continuity and change, I, I think, from my point of view, probably the things that are most important to, to keep restating are some of the key ideas that, that drive the GA and, and always have, and I hope all, always will, um, so just to state that, you know, the obvious, it, it, it's an association of geography educators. That's what it's concerned with. That's its interest. That's its only interest. Mm. And long may it be so. And I think that some people slightly misunderstand what the GA is about uh, in the sense that I do hear people saying, well, it stands for, for geography, the discipline. And, and actually, it's a little bit more subtle than that. I think the GA stands for, for, for geography as a very much an educational discipline. And what, what I mean by that is that when we bring that discipline into contact with young people, it thrives and so do they. 
Mm. And, and, and you see some really powerful statements in the GA's manifesto for geography around this. It's, it's not an advocate simply for geography, the discipline. It's, it's, it's trying to regard geography as a really powerful educational resource. And, and of course, the other idea, the other central idea that the GA has always stood for, although it hasn't always been completely explicit, I think, in the same way, is, is it stands for community. And the idea that if you connect teachers of geography to each other, then two things happen. I mean, firstly, it's the very best solution that we have to sustaining quality geography, because you can't do it from outside. You can't do it from above. You have to do it from within. Mm -hmm. so, so bringing teachers of geography together is the right thing to do. And also, the other principle, I suppose, is we're stronger together. You know, we, here is an organisation that's of and from and for teachers of geography, and, and we can stand up for what we believe in if we, if we do it together. So it's, it's sort of really straightforward principles in a way, but they're not always easy to get across to people. Really interesting. I don't want to bat on too much about the history because I don't want to make it sound like a, a historical talk that we're doing here but uh, the, when the geographical association was first put together be, because of a concern for for education that was the cause of the geographical teacher being produced to bring teachers who were disparate across the country and didn't have the time to meet to get together and douglas freshfield who was one of the uh, founder members of the geographical association said echoing your words Almost exactly. Our object is to enforce the place and importance of geography, not only as a body of facts and proper names, not only as an educational discipline, but as an element of general culture. Mm. And, and I think it's continued to be so. We are scattered and we are disparate, but it, it began as a, this sort of, as a structure for social capital, a, a way of debating and developing a set of shared values and, and developing that sort of common purpose and I, I feel that when I'm I'm working with teachers at the geographical association throughout the the special interest groups and the committees it's it's a shared collective that grows and develops over time yeah I think that that's probably worthwhile just picking at a little bit uh, as you know from some of the work I have done and things I've written over the years is I think we do need to take a bit of care, actually, just to, to, to make sure that when we're talking about a professional association, we do recognise, as you have said, that there's you know, the, the sharing and the commonality and so on. But, but I think it's equally important to make, remind ourselves and, and tell other people that it's, it's, it's not all smooth flowing. It's, things are contested. There are disagreements within an association. So there should be. Um, you know, one's own personal ideas don't always carry the day, even if you're chief executive. You know, it, it isn't like that. So I think there's a really, really important message when you talk about social capital, that, that we just recognise that there's some difficulty um, and contestation involved in that. And, and that's very, very healthy. And f for those people who are sort of interested in these things, um, you know, as you know, some of some of my ideas, other people's ideas, some of the things I've been reading over the years, I, I tried to bring together in my um, chapter in the in the handbook of secondary geography, where where I was talking about a few things I'd 
read and researched over the years. And I think they're relevant, by the way, to your quote from Freshfield, because, you know, here we are in 2021 within the internet age. Uh, and so you begin to sort of think, well, how does community, how does the GA work in, in this respect in the current day and age? So, so in that chapter, in, and in some things I've written since, I've been talking about the fact that today, of course, if you're a teacher of geography, you've, you've probably never had so many opportunities to connect with other people, with other teachers. And, and I've written about the so-called sharing, exchanging relationships that you can have through the internet and social media and so forth. And, and they're very useful. We know that. Um, and, and the GA does a good, a good deal of this sort of work. So, you know, exchanging practical advice or, or resources, um, experiences, that sort of thing. But there are also risks with those forms of relationship because they tend to be short, short-lived. You know, by definition, sharing, exchanging is sort of like a networking idea. Um, so we know there are questions about the reliability of, of information that, or resources that's being, being exchanged. Um, there are psychological dimensions sometimes. We're, we're getting more evidence of that. So through social media, we're, we're beginning to pick up that people can actually be, begin to feel inadequate because they see other people, um, you know, simply publishing so much, giving their very best sort of face of what they're doing. And it can, we can come away actually feeling quite, quite bruised from some of that. So in, in my work, I've tried to distinguish between the, 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 the pros and cons of sharing, exchanging. And I, I've, I've talked about different forms of relationship that, that you really have through um, communities of practice. So I've talked about building up collective intelligence. Some of the researchers around social capital will talk about catalytic networks um, or people talk about networked learning. And, and here is where you've got sustained relationships. You've got professional and personal dimensions being created over time. You've got network participants who are learning to work with each other one another's strengths and weaknesses they distribute tasks and, and there's a sense of sort of commitment including time commitment that can lead to the, the generation of new knowledge um, for individuals and for the group and, and that's the principle at play isn't it that the, the the whole is more than the sum of the parts so the GA for me is trying to do both of those things really it's trying to stimulate connections between people but where it's possible, it's also trying to ensure that those connections are deep enough and long enough to generate worthwhile and meaningful new knowledge for everybody. And, 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 and that's rather different to some, some uh, aspects that you might see, which are purely on, on, on social media, for example. That's interesting you said that, this idea of collective intelligence. I think the most intimidating thing that I found when I was working at the GA was was the policy consultations that came out from DFE or whatever. And the collective intelligence that came together through putting that out to members and special interest groups produced a, a hugely more powerful response than it would do from individuals. So coming from whether it's coming from the GA or whether it's coming through the RGS, IBG, and generally we were speaking as one anyway, made a hugely more powerful argument 
for the sort of geography that that collective intelligence had been thinking about than would have occurred if we'd just been individuals responding, I think. Yeah, this, it, actually, this is quite challenging territory in a sense, because what we're not talking about, what we're not talking about is an elite group. So, so when you're talking about a true community, there are people in there with, with extraordinary talents and expertise and experience, and that's, that's how it should be. But that does need to be balanced with really, really in policy terms, when you're talking to members, listening to members, trying to reflect their views, you're also trying to cast your net very wide and say, well, mm. you know, what, what, do, what do rank and file teachers of geography out there who may be very busy and, and actually haven't got much time to respond to a conversation, but you're trying to pick up on key points that are being raised and then doing that very difficult work of, of putting it put it putting it together in some sort of coherent way and I, I think I go back to something I mentioned earlier on is that you know psychologically there's something very very powerful here to say to people you're not always going to get your own individual words priority voice or opinion it won't always shine through in the collective but but something else is going on where you're learning to compromise with other people and you're putting something in for the greater good, uh, it can be a bit messy uh, and it's quite difficult to do actually, but my goodness, it's worthwhile. It's, it's, it's absolutely vital for geography education that this, this work goes on. Well, there has been periods in history when geography wasn't necessarily considered to be worthy of, for instance, included in, in uh, in the national curriculum as a subject. Yeah, and I think you, you and I, I think we were chatting recently, weren't we? And that sort of notion of what would the world look like, you know, without without a GA came up. And that did sort of pause, pause me a bit in my tracks because I, I suppose, look, there isn't a counterfactual, is there? There is, you know, the, the GA has been around here, uh, you know, working in England and Wales and, and further afield since the 19th century so you know we don't we can't point to a, a reality that's different to that but one of the things that I'm really privileged to do in my role as you know John is I've had the chance to visit um, a number of other countries and talk to to people work with them um, I'm in close contact with geography educators right across the world really and one of the things that jumps out at me as an observation is the the, the number of times that people right across the world, particularly if they don't have a strong subject association in their own country, how often they looked to the, G, to the GA as a sort of an anchor, if you like, um, as an element of saying, well, you know, here is a community that has wrestled with difficult questions over many years. Um, it's well grounded in its thinking um, and its practices, if you like. And it can help just to provide that that confidence to people. And, and as I say, when you go to places that don't have that um, strong history, I suppose, of a, a geography education organisation and community, then then things can feel a little bit a little bit different. Um, so I think you know, if you like, a world without the GA would would feel quite different for individual practitioners and. Um, as you know, one of the things that we try very hard to do is develop people's voices. And what, what we mean by that is there are, there are so many people in the geography education community who have flourished to some extent through the GA. 
appearing at conference or through committee work or just all sorts of different types of participation. And, and that's, again, that's how things should be. There should be a way for geography teachers, if they wish to, to work with others and really develop themselves professionally. And I hope that that will always continue. You've been involved in quite a lot of policy work, haven't you, since you joined the GA, um, and just to ensure that geography continues to have this strong and secure place in the curriculum. Yeah, and again, I, I would just sort of tease away at that a bit by making it clear that that's not an exclusive role. Um, you know, the, the, the GA is not an exclusive organisation. There have always been other networks of, of teachers and other organisations. You've mentioned the RGS, IBG. You know, it's important the GA... Uh, knows where it fits, if you like, within within that broader ecosystem. But I do, I do, I'm very, very strongly committed to the idea that an independent association of geography educators who have in mind the importance of geography within schools, having an organisation of that kind to to put forward and advocate the case for geography in the curriculum is, is is absolutely critical and you know people with long memories or long experiences will, will recall you know the formation of the national curriculum late 80s early 90s and you know it was touch and go at that stage as to whether geography would get in and again going back to my point about how things are right across the world I think you'll be aware John that geography is not a given in the curriculum in many parts of the world and even when it is it doesn't necessarily mean the richness of geography that you and I would regard as being essential so it can look and mean different things in different parts of the world its quality is is quite variable and in many countries it simply doesn't appear um, as a distinct subject And, and that worries me because of the power of the subject obviously for young people and I think that just reinforces my my view that, you know, the, the GA is here for a really, really important purpose, long term. This is a tricky question, but not everyone joins the GA, of course. Not everyone who's a geography teacher joins the GA. Why do you think some people don't join? Yeah, it's a good good question. And, and obviously, I, I would wish everybody did, of course. But, um, you know, we recognise that... This is a membership association. So if you go right back to 1893, you can look at the minutes of the first meeting, you know, r- right uh, from the get-go, there was a, this commitment to say, well, if we all put something in here, we'll probably get something better back collectively. But that did involve putting in, I think it was a, a shilling, <laughs> um, just to say, actually, we're, go- we're going to need to organise ourselves um, professionally here to do, to do this well. And of course, what that means in, in the modern era is that there is a, a membership subscription fee and that will always put some people off. You do need to take that leap of faith, I suppose, to say, well, actually, what we're going to do here is put some money forward each, each member. And then what we'll be able to create together is something that is really worthwhile and, and more valuable than working individually. So. You know, in, just being realistic about it, the membership fee is always going to put some people off. And I think the other thing that really saddens me, and I'm part of my work o- over years has been to try to do something about this, is is there 
there's a degree of formality, or at least there's a perception of that. So how do I take part? How do I join? Is there an expectation on me to behave in a certain way or, or whatever? So it's, it can feel less um, freewheeling than, than uh, other, other ways of, of um, involving oneself in the community. I think probably those two things, you know, the money uh, and, and how do I get involved? Is, is it too formal and stuffy? I think those are the, the things that we, we get feedback on that we need to do something about where we can. Um, and, and hopefully we can carry on succeeding in those two things. So where are we going then in the future with this, with the new digital age? We're, we're, there are still paper journals, but a lot of the communication is through the website. And we'll talk a, a little bit about some of the new projects in a bit. Where are we going with it now? Where's the GA going? Well, I think, I think the internet age is probably the biggest challenge that the GA has ever faced in a way. I mean, it is a fantastic opportunity. As you've said, we, we, we do have digital journals and, um, there's also, as you know, a, a digital archive. <laughs> I think a lot of people don't realise the, the power of that archive going all the way back to 1901. And people talk about the importance of, um, you know, research in education more and more these days. And there we have a, a store, a reservoir of practice, ideas, reflections, you know, research summaries going well back over 100 years. So I think that the internet age does present an opportunity to the GA through through websites, social media and uh, online. But it's also a huge challenge. And I think the onus is on the GA to show, of course, that it's relevant. But I think the onus is on the GA to, to show teachers that in an era where you can connect with other teachers through social media, free of charge, and you can exchange resources, I think then the responsibility sits with the GA to say, well, actually, there's a couple of other things to think about here. As I say, it's not an exclusive organisation. I'm on social media. You know, I exchange ideas in that way. But what is it that's particularly special about doing this through the GA? And I, I pick out a couple of things, really. Firstly, go back to the basic principle from 1893 onwards, is if you really put some committed work together, a, a commitment that does require a, a membership subscription, of course, then, then what you can really work hard on is quality. So what you're seeing in those journals is the result not just of professional production editorial work, you're also seeing there the work of the, the editorial boards who think carefully about what articles are most relevant now think carefully about who might author them. They challenge those authors, as you know. You know, as I say, it's not, mm. this is not straightforward work. It's not just, it's not writing a blog. It's really putting your thinking um, open to that sort of scrutiny and challenge, whether it's a peer review in, in our peer review journal or professional review or whatever. So the same is true of, you know, GACPD courses, GA publications. You know, these are put together by, um, experienced practitioners, they are challenged by academics, they're challenged by the GA, and what we're, what we're trying to get out then is something that's high quality and thoughtful and thought-provoking. And thought so I think that message for me is hopefully one that lands with people. Um, but equally, I'd go back to this other sort of key idea that's threaded through 
our conversation really, which is that even in the internet era, there can be something qualitatively different to the idea of community through the GA. So, so one of the things we're, we're working on at the moment is really trying to make the best out of those networks and communities that already sit within the GA. So one good example would be that the Geography Quality Mark schools, as you know, there's about 150 schools every year who go through the Geography Quality Mark process. And, and you were as responsible as anyone, John, for setting that process up years ago. But actually, what occurs to us now is that people going through that process, it's not just an administrative process or even one that just sits within their school. They really can benefit from talking and working with others who are also geography quality mark schools. So we've set up, um, you know, sort of closed closed um, Facebook groups and so forth. Those people to work with each other, really sort of share innovative ideas and experiences. And they, they just get something slightly different out from from you know surfing away on, on on the net and finding other people in, in a sort of more random fashion. So I think I think those things are important to, to sort of re-emphasize what are the quality processes involved in, in the GA, even in the internet era, maybe especially in the internet era, and what does community look like as well? So those are two pieces of work I think for us to to continue with. Mm. It's interesting what you, as you were saying, I was just thinking about some of the CPD that I was involved with that drew on uh, research and because of the can-do review approaches, encourage teachers to reflect on their practice within the context of that meaningful research, because we've been asked to do some nonsense things in the past, I have to say, the three-part lesson, which we all had to do. There was no underpinning research and then it became a four-part and then a six-part lesson. I think that underpinning what the, the GA has done in the past has been, and, and still does, is deeply set in research and in reflection and encouraging teachers of whatever their experience to reflect on their practice. And that's one of the things the Quality Mark really does well, I think, is reflecting on what you do in a, in a way that's not confrontational. The team can reflect together. Yeah, and I think, look, there's no guarantee that you always get things right. And I think that's, you know, the basic point I'm making really is the best guarantee, the best guarantee of being resistant to, to foolish fashions is for lots and lots of geography teachers to work together because somebody's going to spot if something doesn't look or feel right, aren't they? And, and mm. they're going to raise the alarm. And so, you know, there, there's something very, very powerful, as I say, about that collective intelligence or wisdom um which you know long may it continue going forward then what are the, the ga's key priorities for 2020 to 25 yeah well going back to your your point or your question earlier on um about the 1990s being when we created the, the role of chief executive i mean the ga has planned forwards um, throughout its entire history, of course, but it's only in relatively recent times that there's been a formal, you know, documented, you know, strategic plan. I think we're only on our third or fourth plan now, and I've been responsible for for two of them. Um, the most recent was launched back in September. So I would urge any any listeners who are interested to go and have a look on, online. You can look <laughs> at the thing in all its glory, but, but but to try and keep the the message straightforward and simple. I think it does dovetail with what you and I have been talking about so far, which is 
um, you know, we've been using some straightforward headline words, really. Uh, connect is one of them. That's one of the ambitions. Um, by 2025, putting it simply, we want there to be a larger and more diverse <clears throat> and better connected GA community. Um, and we've talked about some of the ways in which we hope that can, can happen. One of the things we've been doing recently is uh, what we call a listening exercise. So several hundred members actually just around Christmas time were inputting to a survey and telling us what they thought we were getting right and what we should improve, and how we should act on that. And we're following that up over the summer with some focus groups and more detailed conversations. So that connection for me is about just, um, if you like, sort of reducing the distance between perceived distance between the GA and, and rank and file members and, and teachers. I think, as you said earlier on, John, one of the things that people get really surprised about when they visit the GA is, is there, are, there aren't many staff. That's, it's not about the staff. It's about the size of the community itself. And yes. Sort of people look at a, a logo or a professionally produced journal and they think it's an enormous corporation. And of course it, it isn't, <laughs> it's a, a charity and it, it's a network of teachers. So connecting is, is one of our goals. Um, Another, not surprisingly, is the word advance, advancing. So over the next few years, we, we do want to generate some new insights um, into geography education, as we've done in the past. And there's all sorts of work going on uh, you know, to push that forwards. So, for example, um, you know, in, in, in this 21st century setting, so to speak, how, how should teachers of geography approach some really pressing environmental and social injustices like climate change and racism. Now, those, those aren't easy things to handle as a teacher in the classroom. So we really do need to do some work to help teachers and support them in their, in their thinking. Um, and as I've said, we also want to advance in the sense of drawing much more frequently and readily on, on members' views and, and putting those together so that we can make sure that the standing of geography in, in education and in society moves forward and, and doesn't stay the same or, or move backwards. And, and the third priority for us, we use the term empower. Uh, empowering young people and empowering teachers is what that means. And um, in relation to teachers, I think one of the big pieces of work for us over the next five years is to really get to grips with the, the CPD landscape for teachers of geography, I think our view and the view of many is that it's still too piecemeal. It's a bit fragmented. It can be quite complex to, to navigate as an individual. You know, if you're starting out in your career or if you're more experienced, what do you do? Where do you go? What do you need? So I think something, um, something very worthwhile could be done about creating a more coherent piece there. And in terms of inspiring young people, as you know, we've really working hard on, on some, some direct support for young people through things like Geography Education Online or GEO. Um, we do, really do want young people to connect with the subject, of course, and, and continue it on in, in further study. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of work for us to do there. Um, you're probably aware that A-level numbers have actually fallen a little in the last few years after a number of years of growth. So, you know, we can't be complacent. There are other exciting projects on the go. When I first started at the Geographical Association, working at the Geographical Association, my first 
task was to manage a project on geography and risk. And it involved geography teachers and mathematicians or statisticians at least. And um, we used Durham University who created some fantastic software looking at the spread of disease. And we got departments working together that very rarely did, maths and geographers. It was difficult to drag some of the mathematicians in, to be fair, because they weren't used to collaborating. And you still do those. So at the moment, there's connecting classrooms through global learning, which is an interesting development because it's it's seated in, in past projects. One project does inform another and another as you take good practice from one going forwards. Well, as you know, John, the one, one of the things that's really challenging when you're working at the GA, certainly from my point of view, is just the sheer breadth of things that are going on. I mean, it is, it's absolutely extraordinary. I mean, we, you know what geographers are like. We are very creative people, um, you know, very wide range of skills. So the range of projects that tend to be going on at any one time is almost mind-blowing and, and can be a sort of challenge in itself is to package it up neatly and tell the world about it in a way that makes sense. But, yes, yeah, so at the moment, gosh, I would. I think we'd take up too much time if I went through the whole list. I'd, I'd say to people, have a have a good rove around the website and and look through GA magazine, which is a a great way of flagging things. But you're right. There's all sorts of collaborations with universities going on, with with organisations that work in industry, if you like, around you know environmental questions and issues. Teachers working with each other across disciplines with other subjects the list is almost endless and it's it's exhilarating but uh, as i say it's also a challenge just to to communicate it all to people in, in a way that they can see where the opportunities lie for them uh, we hope the website does as good a job uh, i think alongside ga magazine those two things i think are, do a pretty good job of communicating it but um yeah it, it's uh, from a chief executive's point of view keeping track of it all <laughs> It's quite a <laughs> I don't know how you do it, but there you go. <laughs> it used to blow my head off. Um, I, what I haven't talked about yet, and, and we must because it, it's such an exciting few days, is conference. It's a shame this year it's another virtual affair. Well, I say it's a shame, but even virtually, it's generated a lot of excitement and a lot of, uh, a lot of wonderful comments. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, obviously last year when we <clears throat> had to um, to sort of stop going ahead with the the face-to-face -face last year, and of course same this year, then at first it's a bitter blow, isn't it? Because the GA annual conference started in 1921, by the way, John. Um, there haven't been 100, I don't think, because, um, you know, World War II and all that, but nevertheless, it's been going 100 years. So, you know, the, the, the conference itself as a face-to-face -face event, as people know, is this extraordinary sort of festival. It really is, you know, unique over three days. But what the team have done and the contributors have done over the last last year and this is, is create something new um, that has a value which, which is, you know, different and complementary, I think, to the face-to-face -face conference. We've seen contributors from um, sort of a wider field, I think, because it's online and they can do that in the comfort of their own armchair or sofa or whatever. 
So there's over 100 people contributing to the e-conference this year in April. It's very exciting. There's probably a more diverse range of people who are contributing, I would say, um, than in the past. So that's a real positive. And I suspect in the future that we will keep elements of the online experience with even when we go back to a face-to-face -face conference. But I could just, well, obviously, I, I would just urge people to, to jump in and, and, and take part. And the reason I think it's so such a unique event in a way, um, you know, the clues in the name, conference, conferring. When you go to the GA conference, people want to talk about the ideas they've just heard. They don't sit and listen passively. They want to comment on it. They want to share their perspective. Of course, at a face-to-face -face conference, as you know, people sort of rush around all over the place, having coffees, yeah. talking, you know, arguing, agreeing, cre creating new ideas. But we've seen the same sorts of things going on last year with the e-conference. So that that sort of ethos and tradition of conferring, rather than just sit, sitting and passively, you know, soaking it up, I think has been retained. And it's very, very exciting. It's very geographical, isn't it? That's That's... <laughs> Geography teaches to a T. They want to talk, discuss, come up with ideas, argue things through, and do that in a pretty sociable manner. And, and um, it's just wonderful. It would be interesting to see the dots flashing up across the map of the globe, where people are when they're <laughs> taking part. <laughs> so, comment from North America. <laughs> comment from Sri Lanka. That will do. <clears throat> that. In fact, there's, there's the idea that you can take away from me today. <laughs> Get somebody to organise that one. We should do that. <laughs> he says, making a note, make a note. And of course, there's um, there's going to be a wonderful quiz, which uh, I hope people are going to get themselves <laughs> involved with. Oh, I've had to teach myself how to teach online here. I've never shared a screen before. Oops, I shouldn't have admitted that. So um, <laughs> we will have to see how the quiz goes. How many people are coming to the virtual conference? Well, we don't know yet, do we? We've still got a while for people to book but we're already into the hundreds so you know at a, at a standard face-to-face -face conference we would normally welcome seven to eight hundred yep. uh, colleagues whether we get to that sort of number I, I don't know but I, I think as soon as you get into the hundreds then you've got that diversity um, both of contributors and of, of, of delegates and participants so I think it's going to be a wonderful event and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it and, and looking forward to the quiz. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Always the comments are great from teachers about the conference. They have a wonderful time. And I do think there's a, there's a conference buzz that lasts for a while afterwards. But there are plenty of other ways of getting involved with the GA. It isn't just passive, is it, at all? You've talked about it being a community, but it, actually yeah. people can get more involved than, than even just talking across as they do at conference. There, there are ways to, to get directly involved. Yeah, and, and again, I always try to just reassure people here and say, do you know what? If you want to be a GA member and involvement for you means, you know, receiving the journals and reading them and thinking about them, then that's just fine. You know, the, 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 there is not an obligation on people to, to, to give more time or, or participate. Some people um, don't prefer to do that straight away and, and, and over time they, they change their, their, their views and their habits. But for those people who, who just enjoy reading the journals or, or looking at the website and talking to their colleagues in their department, 
that's fine. That's it. You're, you're dipping into the reservoir, if you like, of the national community and taking away what's important. And, and people shouldn't feel in any way um, uncomfortable with, with having that approach. And the other thing I always say to people by way of sort of preamble, really, is think carefully before you get more involved about what you want out of it. I know it sounds a really obvious thing to say, but are there particular areas of subject knowledge, for example? Is that what you're after? Or is it is it just a sense of working and connecting with others? Or is there a particular direction that you want to take your professional development in, and um, you know, becoming a subject leader or, or whatever it might be? So I think before diving in, it, it, it is useful just to think about, do you want to do that? If so, why? And then once those two things have been considered, as, as you know, you know where, where do you go next? I mean, my goodness. Um, we've tried over recent years to make it easier for people to dip in. So, you know, turning up to conference and just being in a workshop and, and saying some things is, is great. If you're doing a geography quality mark, you know, they, you've got your Facebook group and you can just post a comment or, or whatever. If you are starting out in teaching, as you know, the, the teacher to teacher sessions at conference, you know, they're 20 minutes and you're not being subject to scrutiny. You're just being asked to share one of your ideas. Here's something I do in my classroom and, and people appreciate that sort of sharing. But it does go further than that. As you know, John, we've got, um, gosh, we've, we've probably got close to 200 people across the country involved in local branch committees. We've got a similar number involved in national committees, phase committees and special interest groups concerned with physical geography or geography in early years and primary phase, post-16, you know, you name it. We have working groups. We've got a working group at the moment looking at um, geography education research. And we have a, a large number of people who, who contribute something, but they aren't necessarily on committees and groups. So they might author an article. We have over 100 articles a year. More than 100 people contribute to conference each year. We've got consultants to the GA who do all sorts of project work, as you know, bits and bobs here and there. Um, sometimes quite large projects. So there's a huge uh, range of, of possibilities. <clears throat> um, there is a section on the website called Get, in get Involved. But often, actually, the way that people get involved is they just talk to somebody else who's involved. Um, and obviously, the, the, the deepest level of involvement of all is around committees and, and people who step forward to serve on the GA's governing body because the GA is governed, you know, by... A, a group of trustees who are volunteers and um, although I can't announce the name I'm delighted we've just elected a, a another practicing teacher to that governing body realize that teachers are very busy but um, you know we've got a, a wonderful contribution that, that that person will make at the highest level of the GA but it ranges all the way through and I think there's something there for anybody who wants to participate I hope. I think we first met when you were a vice chair of the secondary phase committee, probably in the Institute, I think, in, uh, in London, all those years ago. I won't say how many. <laughs> so, <laughs> too many years ago. But yes, it's, it, yeah, you're right. It's those, those accidental connections are, are just as important as laying things out on a website. Of course they are. And um, I think it's the GA's job just to make it clear that we, we're trying to reach out to us wider group of people 
as, as possible from people who've just started teaching through to people who've been you know working in the sector for decades and um and that's a really nice aspect of the ga for me actually is that intergenerational connections that go on um which is very respectful and very healthy <clears throat> in both both flowing both ways uh, and again i just hope that's a feature that can continue long into the future we could talk about the ga for for the rest of the day. <laughs> and We've lost all no, our listeners by now, John. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I think we, we'll finish on that because that was a positive way to finish. But I, I do want to ask you if there's anything that, that there probably are huge numbers of things that I haven't asked, but is there anything that, that you would like to finish with that I perhaps haven't asked you about or just something that, that rounds up today about the GA for you? Well, I don't think there's anything that we we haven't covered. If, if I'm being honest, so, you know, there's so so many dimensions to the GA, but I think we've covered the essence of of what the association is trying to achieve, and um, <clears throat> probably the one the one sort of overriding thought that's become more and more powerful in my mind uh, in recent years, particularly, is uh, and I speak. I hope I'm not going to be too political here, but I speak obviously. You know, in the UK, we've gone through this really this tumult around our, our membership of the European Union and why am I even mentioning that I, I just think that an organization like the GA can just remind us that as a professional your individual stance and your individual perspective and practice is obviously desperately important because you're the one in the classroom with young people but working with other people just provides a roundedness doesn't it it you learn that your ideas aren't necessarily unique, that there are things to learn from others. There are compromises to be made. And that has to be healthy for somebody in a professional career that you know you hope will last for decades. It's not all about me, the individual. It's about me in relation to others. And that, that's really the, the essence of what the GA is about, I think. I think that's a perfect thought to hold on and stop there. Alan Kinder, Chief Executive of the Geographical Association. That was fascinating. Very much for today's podcast. John, thank you so much and for your time. And, you know, also the, the thoroughness, the way you've gone about this is um, absolutely first class. If you've enjoyed today's episode of JogPod, you might also enjoy the GA Annual Conference taking place online from Thursday the 8th to Saturday the 10th of April this year. The conference gives you access to over 100 lectures and workshops from academics and teachers. There is also a programme of social events, giving you the chance to network with other teachers, alongside an exhibition, so you can discover what's on offer to support you. Prices start at just £50 for the full three-day conference, and student members of the GA can attend for free. Search GA Conference online for more information.